0: Let's start with um, the carnivore diet. So we had a good chat about that last time. Um, but yeah. I think there's still quite a bit to cover. Um, oh, yeah. So I think you've got into this diet and explored it more than probably more than most, uh, certainly more than most of the people I've spoken to. Um, but what was the, the genesis of it? What actually got you interested in, in it in the first place?
1: Yeah, so um, I've had health issues my whole life to some degree, um, especially gut related to the gut Um, and uh, uh, very sickly as a child and um, my mom tried to use like natural methods, including diet to help heal me and things like that. And some of it stuck, some of it didn't work so well. Um, I noticed that the worst my health ever was, was when I was eating the most conventional American diet possible. So you know, margarine instead of butter, low fat, high carb, low protein, um, and uh, you know, just like kind of success leaves clues. So does so does um, um, uh, something that's not working. It's it's uh, most pe- it, it's it's kind of seems like most people don't really piece two and two together. Um, and uh, um, you know, I'd gone through quite a few quite a few different, um, just conventional diet things, diet strata that was in the mainstream. And it was all just more of the same. A lot of, a lot of refined carbs and things like this. And, uh, once, once I was, once I was kind of getting out on my own, I was in the military. I was in the military for eight years. Um, and you eat the dining facility food and it's, it's a lot of garbage as well in the military. So, um, Plenty of calories, plenty of the macros, but it's not healthy food, and uh, um, you know, just gut issues were a part of my life. So once, um, once I started to kind of take the dieting more seriously, doing more like like whole foods, things like that, I noticed like how much of a difference it made. So that led me down a path to I had a bunch of injuries you know, on top of the gut issues, just compounding, 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 getting worse and worse to the point where I was like 24 getting out of the military. And I was just broken. Just my whole body was broken. I didn't want to get out of bed. I felt uh, achy everywhere. Every joint was inflamed. I had, you know, back problems. I was told I'd never lift more than 50 pounds, you know, this kind of a thing. Um, and I refused the surgeries. So that's when I found polyquins work the first time. But, uh, um, yeah. The first thing I did was like the Mediterranean diet. And I actually had really good results with that. And I think the main part is because of the whole foods aspect. Um, and, uh, and by the way, I think it's a fantastic diet in general. I mean, it's, it's tasty. It, it seems to work for a lot of people. Um, but if we're talking about like healing injuries and, and prime state, that's what I wanted to go for. So I felt like the, the, You know, no offense to any vegans out there, but I felt like the vegan diet was bullshit. But I had so many friends. You know, I'm kind of in the the yoga circles and things like this. I had so many people I knew that said, "You got to try vegan. You got to do it. You got to go strict." And it's it's the truth, right? Uh, Much like a lot of carnivore people will say the same thing. Um, There's the same level of fanaticism in there. Um, So I tried it. You know, I, I I slowly worked my way in. I was doing vegetarian. Um, I tried, uh, pescatarian, I like I did every little variation of that minimum 30 days at each one, sometimes 90 days. And then once I arrived to the vegan diet, I, I couldn't even finish the 30 day experiment because my health had decreased so rapidly, um, to the point where, I mean, I, I literally felt like I was dying. Um, my injuries were getting worse. Everything was getting worse. So, um, during that period of time, you know, I was only working a couple months out of the year. Uh, just working just enough so that I could sustain um, my healing journey. And uh, um, I came across a... uh, So this is probably like eight or nine years ago now. I came across an ad for a TLC video that, uh, you know, it was my strange addiction. I don't know, you know, like if anybody's ever heard of that TLC uh, show, but um, I... (laughs) There was a, the guy was addicted to eating raw meat, and I thought that was fascinating because I used to always be addicted, addicted to the raw meat when I was a kid. You know, when my mom would make steak. I'd always try and get as much of it raw as possible, and uh, and so it piqued my curiosity, and I was just about ready to be done with this whole vegetarian thing anyways, and, uh, and that, that's the first time I tried it, and even though I didn't do it correctly, I didn't eat enough. I didn't eat enough fat. I didn't have enough salt. Um, it still was just a massive improvement. So that was, that was my first cue um, to, uh, to go down that path. Uh, How long was it be- before you started seeing some benefits from it? Uh, I would say within a couple of days, I started to notice a difference. Um, I just, I felt, uh, so the first night I slept really well, slept better. I felt a full, I think a lot of it was just the fact that throughout all the vegetarian vegan, you know, over the course of that better part of the year, you know, I'd really decreased my health so much and I had, I had declined so much of the, the nutrition that was holding in my body and in my bones to the point where, you know, I was really feeling it and I, just, I was just absorbing the meat like so fast.
0: So to be clear so, at this point were you just adding meat back in or had you gone completely carnivore No I at this just point?
1: Yeah I just went overnight strict like uh, right. as strict right. as I could mm. um and uh yeah cuz the first time I remember like cuz I still had a bunch of stuff in the in the fridge you know and I had this bag of apples in there and I was staring at that apple I was like like my precious you know <laughs> gollum <laughs> like just just thinking about mm. and that's that's It's kind of an interesting thing, too, because I don't feel that way with meat. Um, Meat is just like something to sustain you. Um, I've never felt addicted to it. I enjoy it. You know, while I'm eating, I'm I'm having a good experience. But I don't ever, like, go, oh, you know, like like if you you smoke a joint or something, you get the munchies. You don't ever go, like, you know, oh, ah, I got to get meat. Uh," You know, you do that with sugar. So that was, that was very telling as well, so I was like, I really got really to be disciplined and stick with this because um, you know, it's only 30 days and it's not going to kill me and 30 days with zero sugar including fruit sugar is not going to kill you, so you might as well try it. Um, but yeah, after a few days, you know, my body had acclimated and um, yeah, it was just running in my cylinders. So. Mm.
0: so how about the pain that you're experiencing from the injuries, um, did that clear mm-hmm. up really quickly?
1: Yeah, I started noticing a difference within a few days. Um, I, I didn't get full full relief, like in my knee was really bad. They said that, um, you know, I had connective tissue that had completely separated. So there was like, like in this knee, there was two little lumps on the sides here. I had, you know, a lot of issues with the meniscus and uh, even the, the anterior cruciate ligament was partially torn. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and they tell you, what do they tell you? They tell you that you're never going to be able to regrow that connective tissue. It's just not true. I mean, there's anabolic properties in there though, until you die, you can produce stem cells until you die. Um, now if you're eating an inflammatory diet and you're not allowing yourself to, to heal and you're not doing, taking the steps and yeah, you know, that is true. But, uh, um, I, the, the dry fasting was really like the, the cap to it. Uh, i think for the for the really really deep healing but um but on the feeding side of things like you've got to be fed first before you get into like a, a dry fasted state so
0: so you went from essentially plant based vegetarian to to raw meat pretty much overnight
1: i uh, i didn't do the raw one right away oh, No, okay. i didn't i didn't work up the stones <laughs> for that right off the bat. so that kind of that, later that took me. Yeah, that took me a little while. Uh, some experimentation, um, you know. Again, it, it took a little bit, like uh, um, because I struggle most with gut issues. So there was a lot of like constipation and you know things like that in the beginning. Um, some that, that's a good caveat too. Some of the things that people think of as constipation on a carnivore diet are actually just the fact that you're absorbing so much of what you're eating that you don't actually need to to go. So, um, there was some of that, but I was also, you know, like my gut was completely changing. And, um, I think I had like a a SIBO, like a small intestinal bacterial overgrowth as well. Um, and that's prone to come back when I start eating too much sugar as well.
0: Mm. I'm glad you brought up the Mediterranean diet. Um, that gets a lot of press, um, in kind of mainstream health, health talk that's touted as the way that we should all go and. Yeah, you know, I agree with you. It's not it's not a bad way to to eat. Um, I question whether it's optimal, and and also if sure. you've ever travelled to the Mediterranean, um, mm. the way that they eat varies a great deal. Uh, some countries of eat course, a lot more yeah. meat. Some some countries are eating a lot more carbohydrates. So there is a, a great deal of variety there. Um, yeah, so is this carnivore diet, in your opinion, is you, is this something that you think is optimal for the long term, or is it? An elimina- elimination diet for people who are having autoimmune conditions and gut issues and such like?
1: Both. Yeah, I think, um, I think there's a, quite a number of people, especially in Western countries, you see it, um, where people have eaten all this genetically modified food for their entire lives, so much processed food, that they've essentially um, created like, complete dysfunction. In their stomach, in their gut, the ecosystem inside of their gut is just totally screwed. And uh, um, you know, there's people that uh, have been on this diet for like twenty plus years, and they'll they'll maybe try and experiment where they add in some normal foods, and catastrophic results. So they there. You know, and you could say, well, that's because now they've gotten rid of all their bacteria and blah, blah, blah. And that's, there's probably some truth to that. But there are, there are people who, um, you know, have gone for years at a time strict and then they, they go back to a normal diet and they don't have any of the same issues. I think there's people with such severe autoimmune disease uh, that, and dysfunction that they just, they have to be on it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, they, they've, you know, I mean, who, who knows? Like, I can't know that for sure. But I think for certain populations, yes, it's, it's very optimal. It's a great way to reset. It's a great way to cleanse. Um, you know, 30, 60, 90 days, something like that, uh, d- depending on what kind of issues you're working with. I get a lot of – everybody's got joint pain. Everybody's inflamed. Uh, if somebody can commit to it, uh, you know, for like a, I think two months is better, uh, two to three months – they're going to see such a drastic reduction and it takes about a month to really like work out most of the kinks, uh, even with a coach like helping you. Um, So, but yeah, just the drastic reduction in joint pain is just worth the price of entry in my opinion.
0: Mm. Yeah. On the face of it, it sounds really simple. Just eat meat, but um, yeah, people can actually go wrong with that. And you mentioned when you started, you probably weren't eating enough fat. Um, Right. So I I think, from what I can see out there, there's different opinions on how much protein, how much fat to eat. Um, There's quite a few people who are talking about kind of typical ketogenic ratios of around 30% protein, 70% fat, maybe a little higher on the fat in some cases. And then there's some people who are just saying, eat fatty meat until you feel satisfied, do that once or twice a day. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, how how do you look at it yourself?
1: Well, I think... uh... So what I've found with the traditional keto macros of like 80% fat, 20% protein, I, I don't think that's correct. I think it's closer to 85% or 90% fat and more like 10% protein. Uh, Cause if you eat uh, enough protein in one sitting, especially then you will get uh, gluconeogenesis, muscle sugar excitation. You, you will break your ketosis. Of course, for most people, that's not an issue because most people don't have epilepsy and they don't have the same, you know, maybe they don't have cancer or something, so they don't need to worry about that and they go right back into ketosis anyways. But uh, for somebody, you know, or children that, that are having epilepsy or somebody that has cancer, you're going to want to stay in ketosis as much as physically possible, which uh, you would want to keep the protein lower. Um, but uh, uh, as far as that goes, yeah, the 70 30 is what most people. Doctor like Anthony Chafee is a really good resource. Um, they'll recommend that because it's it's so simple. It's a one to one. You know, if you're 200 pounds, you know, maybe you eat 200 grams of protein and 200 grams of fat, and you, like and then then you just kind of tweak it from there. So do a few days or a week like that, and if you feel like okay, you know, maybe I need a little more fat, or maybe I'm eating too much fat, or something like that, then you can start to tweak it. And you might arrive at more keto or you might arrive at more lean meats and less fat, you know? So, but that's, Mm. that's where the experimentation comes into play. Everybody's got to figure out their own macros.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that's kind of how I've been approaching it. I've gone higher on the fat and higher on the protein and Mm -hmm. uh, as well, I think I don't always want the same thing every day. Some days, some days I want more protein, some days a little less protein. So I think it can vary depending on what you've been doing. So, um, how how do you get on when you're speaking to clients about this is um how do you approach the subject Are people open to it
1: yeah it's mostly uh like with the clients that i'm meeting on a regular basis um i just kind of throw it out there and again if when it was like seven years ago six years ago when i was starting to bring this to people i mean everybody was like like you might as well have said the earth is flat or something. Like people look at you like slack jawed, like what are you talking about? Insane, you know? <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah, I didn't have, I didn't have a massive amount of success convincing people. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, as time's gone on, there's more and more people. There's a, there's a, a, a plethora of information out there as well. And, uh, um, it, it's just slowly, every time, I would say the, the most people that I get are from, like, Facebook. You know, I'll put out a post on Facebook or some social media, and I'll just say, like, hey, here's what I'm eating right now. Because, you know, I try to do this at least once a year, twice a year, is, but, like, really, really, really strict. And uh, and whenever I do that, I have pictures that, um, you know, it, that helps a fit fitness Influencers' business quite a bit is, is showing how shredded you can get, and uh, it it's stupid easy. Like for people that want to get, sh- I mean, it's just it's so ridiculously everybody's complicating it. Just Don't eat carbs. Carbs make you fat. That's just that that is what it is. You know that that's there's no two ways around it. The less carbs you have, the less fat you will be. <laughs> so, um, um, but. Uh, But, uh, yeah, so that's essentially um, what I've arrived at is uh, putting out posts on Facebook a couple times a year. Uh, At the moment, I I think I've got around 45 people that I'm coaching on the side, just like, you know, they're sending me questions and I'm just kind of helping to direct them towards their goals. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is insane because I've usually only had like four people at a time.
0: Yeah, it's probably getting out into the general zeitgeist a little more. so it's less of a challenging subject to raise with people. Where did um, raw carnivore come into this? What was the yeah? So what, what was the thinking there, <laughs> and how did that go? Well, that was
1: that was after a couple of cycles. I mean, I kept that, that dude. I wish I remember his name, but I kept his uh, his story in my head, um, and uh, it was in the back of my head for a while. And I did a couple of cycles of. Um, uh just just the regular carnivore diet um and then i just i don't know like i'm i'm just interested in experimenting with stuff you know it's like oh i got decent results with a, a like a more primal diet paleo like i got i got good results with the mediterranean but then i was like oh let's see if i can tweak it and, you know and then there's a point of diminishing returns to the point where it was unhealthy and then with this, I was like, well, let's see where the truth lies with this as well and see where the diminishing returns are. And I just, I never found it with the raw meat. You know, the more extreme I got with this, the more interesting the results were. So um, I've said this quite a few times. I don't know, like there's people like Anthony Chafee. There's a handful of doctors out there and a handful of, um, you know, like well-known uh, influencers in, that, in the carnivore sphere they really attest that the strictest you can go is, is like the optimal thing for athletes. You know, just athleticism in general. I don't know if that's true. Um, I'm not on their level, so I, you know, maybe they know something I don't. I've I've tested it pretty thoroughly for myself and with other people, and I I feel like for a healthy person that does not have gut dysbiosis or ulcerative colitis or something, a healthy person who's an athlete that's working out all the time, that, uh, you know, needs explosiveness. I feel like a meat and fruit or a meat and honey diet, maybe some raw dairy, uh, is, is probably, probably the best way to go, but, um, um but in any case, uh, so, so what I wanted to, to test out is, uh, is, you know, is this possible to do it raw. Like I knew raw steak is going to be totally fine with my system. You know, I've ate it my whole life. Um, And uh, from day one, the last little bit of gut issues I had started to relieve, and within three days, um, I mean, I just—I've never had that level of zero pain in my gut. I've never had that level of health, and uh, and you know, I've always had this little bit of like even when I'm just shredded, shredded, shredded from being on carnivore for long enough. um, There's just this little distension in my stomach. It's like I can feel my bowels are swollen and that was gone that was completely gone within just three days mm. so it was
0: raw steak raw anything else
1: yeah raw steak uh hamburger um yeah and this is all from cows that um, I actually helped raise at the time so like I knew what I was eating that's that's the only way I felt comfortable a lot of raw liver at the time um and uh that that was mostly it there was some raw salmon there was some raw tuna but that was mostly like a garnish oh a lot of like raw salmon eggs as well Mm. um and i did raw eggs i did uh let's see what else i tried to stay as limited on the raw milk as possible but there was some of that also Mm. um and and you probably want to get into the next phase of the experiment where I did of course, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is this is where it gets really crazy. So there was two other phases. Um, one was not drinking any liquids, including no raw milk, no raw eggs, and no water even. So no no liquids whatsoever. Um, I came across a few channels where people were saying that they didn't need water anymore, and. Uh, at, and I, I always remain skeptical but open-minded, and and I'm trying to believe people, but at the same time, people will say things just to be like, you know, grab grab your attention or you know try and glorify what they're doing so that they can sell you something. Um, but uh, it, yeah, you don't need water. <laughs> it's true. If you're eating raw meat, you really don't. Um, How long was it that It takes for? you. Well so it took me a few days to really acclimate, you know, and I I allowed myself to drink a little bit of raw milk and some raw eggs in the beginning. Um, and, but just for like four days. And then there was a 17 day stint and I could have kept going, but uh, you know, I pretty much had proved it to myself and, um, you know, and then drinking water was a, a, a strange experience afterwards, but I did 17 days without any liquids whatsoever And there was probably half a dozen times throughout that process where I got really, really thirsty, but not to the point where I was like, oh, I have to drink something. And I felt great. I felt really good. In fact, I felt so, so good. Um, Like one or one and a half, two years prior, I'd broken my ankle in six places. um, Falling, you know, I fell off the ladder, landed incorrectly from really, really high up. And I had this uh, kind of metatarsal sticking out of the side of my foot. It was all warped, you know, like I didn't, like I just let it heal naturally. And, uh, uh, you know, and I was just used to that, but 10 days into that raw meat experiment, I just shifted onto that foot while it was prepping and it just popped right back into place. And it's, it's been fine ever since. (laughs) So, uh, little things like that, you know, my gut being better, my brain firing in all cylinders. Um, the bad part was I got so ridiculously skinny. Um, hmm. My normal amount of muscle, I felt fine. Uh, you know, I didn't, oh, oh, and, and salt. So normally with a carnivore diet and a cooked meat, you have to have a, a lot of salt, um, quite a bit, more than you might think. Uh, you want to salt the meat, you probably want to put salt in your water. Um, you can have too much, but it's, it's really hard. It's hard to have too much. And within a few days, salt started tasting toxic to me. Uh, and I stopped salting the meat, and, and it was very strange, <laughs> but um, um, I don't know what the reasoning or what the mechanism is, but it's, it took a little while afterwards to get used to eating salt again, to get used to drinking water again as well, um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense a little bit because you're not going to have salt available all the time in nature. You're certainly not going to have like water in nature all the time, you know, not at your beck and call. You're not, you're probably not going to be drinking a gallon of water, in, you know, even in the jungle per day. So, it, you know, it got me thinking it's like something, you know, something's, something's missing here for really talking about like, like being natural or something. Cause none, everyone that's speculating, like we've never lived in nature, like without even you know without shelter or without tools or anything like that so so we're all kind of speculating mm. but I, I found thought the that water. was interesting yeah
0: I find the water thing really interesting because in the west yeah. we're all talking you know talking about hydrating all the time if the temperature goes up slightly make sure you hydrate but I, I watched right. recently the the food lies documentary series where they they visited various tribes and uh in Africa who are living a pretty uh kind of unchanged way of life um, they spent some time with the Hadza, where they live very arid um yes they're out uh, they tend to drink from what they observe they tend to drink first thing in the morning have a little drink then they go out they're hunting all day they're on their feet they're moving a lot and then they'll have a little bit to drink later on so they're out in this extreme heat so yeah right. I, I guess you know there could be genetic differences because that's where yeah, ancestors have been for forever. But, um, it mm. is interesting to see that people can be very active in very hot weather and not yeah. really appear to need a lot of water and, and seem to be pretty healthy on it. I did think, you ever say, see the,
1: uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, did, did you ever see the Mad Max movie that came out like a few years back? I did. Yeah. With Tom Hardy. There's that part where he's like, don't become addicted to water. My friends, you <laughs> right. know, um, I think there's there's some truth to that, like, uh, because I, I, I've also done a bunch of dry fasting experimentation. Mm. I I think you know you could say genetic, but it's also like you can change your genetics through your diet, through your actions. Um, You you know, I I think the human body is so adaptable um, to just kind of limit us. You know, like you can say, yeah, it's not ideal for a person with dark skin to be in the north, but. There's a whole set of processes that will occur to adapt to that environment to where you can become you know, it's not optimal, but you you can you can you can do enough things to, to make it almost like it's optimal. Um, you know, and, and same thing with the water thing. It's like, yeah, you know, you can show me a million examples of people drinking more water and becoming healthier and having better but I can also show you examples of people, you know like me who have done no water experiments and become healthier from that as well. Um, I think a lot of it is like, what kind of water are you drinking? You know, some people, there's a huge debate there as well. It's like, you know, the kind of things that I tend to agree with are limit the, the carbonated water as much as possible. Um, but it's like distilled spring water, well water. No, Nobody in their right mind would drink tap water especially straight from the tap. Um, there's pharmaceuticals in there. There's there's chlorine. There's fluoride, uh, you know, used in the Nazi mind control experiments. People don't know that the fluoride in our water comes from Alcoa. It's an aluminum factory, you know, a series of aluminum factories, and they actually take the toxic uh, fluoride, so it's sodium fluoride, that comes off of the smokestacks, and then they ship that because they've got a nice little deal worked out with the, water uh, treatment center, you know, with the government where they, they say, well, you know, we got all these studies that show that fluoride is good for your teeth. Let's put it in the water supply. But in actuality, that's not naturally occurring fluoride. So it's mm. a completely ridiculous point. Um, and in fact, it's really bad for your teeth. Um, and it's been shown to calcify your pineal glands. So you've got a nice little crystal in your midbrain and uh, that won't be functioning at all. Uh, and, and your endocrine system is disrupted from that as well. So so obviously no tap water. So that's like this idea of like, okay, well, maybe some theories that I have as to why I felt so good and why it was so healthy without water and on the raw meat diet is clearly I was getting enough of the water or enough of the, the liquid just from the interstitial fluid in the meat because uh, c- I was okay. But not having the water that you know because even filter you're not going to get everything out there's still going to be arsenic there's still going to be lead there's still going to be very poisonous chemicals in your tap water if that's what you're getting your source from so not having that in your diet really um uh, i think i think that's where the, the the transformation comes from people don't realize how much crap is in the water they're drinking so. mm, that's
0: a really interesting way to look at it um could be similar in in many ways to the carnivore diet in itself is um maybe we don't need to maybe we don't need to cut everything out um and maybe maybe vegetables and fruit in them in themselves are not bad for us it could be all the stuff that comes along with them because not many people are eating fully organic fruit and vegetables where they know you know the source of everything um right exactly so yeah i think that could be well, in my mind a large well, part of the about, um, it what about um
1: the genetic genetically modified organisms i mean the gmos in the west especially in america are just it's 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 insane what they're allowed to sell as food here and uh you know don't even get me started on seed oils and they're basically cooking everything in plastic if you go to a fast food restaurant so you're just getting plastic lining your your intestines and just completely destroying your health um so yeah, I, I mean, you look at other countries that have higher vegetable intake and are I mean, they're super healthy people. Maybe they're not, like, at the top of their game. Maybe that's not optimal, but they're incredibly healthy, happy, vibrant. But there's also, like, that's more built into the culture. They're not as money-obsessed, you know. Like, there's so many factors to consider. You know, it's, it's not just whether or not you've got vegetables or not. I mean, you know, go by how you feel, but you're not going to know until you try it is kind of, is kind of the, the end of the story there. So, um, but yeah, as, as far as like an ultimate elimination diet, it, yeah, the carnivore diet's the way to go, for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, if I was to try to argue against it, it's, it's a very broad strokes approach. You're cutting so many things out, um, possibly. Mm-hmm. We're cutting out more things than we need to cut out. Um, maybe some vegetables that you grew in your own yard would be different uh, to some vegetables that you buy from the supermarket. I'm pretty sure that they would be.
1: Oh. Infinitely. I mean, those vegetables you eat from the supermarket, they're weeks old. Even if they're organic, they're sprayed with organic pesticides that in some cases are more toxic than the regular pesticides. Um, they're sprayed with ethylene oxide, which is cancer-causing, and, uh, and that keeps them fresh enough so that you can eat them, you know, without, uh, without the mold and, and whatnot. But a, a lot of times, you know, you, you get something from the store and there's mold on it already as well so how much mold are you actually eating you don't even realize it
0: yeah i think as well if you're um growing your own produce in your own yard um the chances are you're not going to be eating the same things year round everything's seasonal so unless you're using some kind of industrial practices you're not going to be uh, constantly eating the same vegetable or the same fruit every week i think that's a big factor as well
1: yeah, yeah, and you know that comes with its challenges too, because it's like, what's the soil look like? Um, you know, are you are you taking care? You know, are you are you over tilling? You know, are you putting in nitrogen fixing plants that will fix the soil? Like, there's so many things to consider when you're growing your own fruits and vegetables. Whereas with like a cow or goats or something, I mean, you can just have a couple of cows and a few goats, and just like let them be or you can rotationally graze them if you want to rebuild the topsoil which is possible you can rebuild the topsoil with cows um you just you have to rotate them every day because they'll they'll eat everything including the not sweet stuff and trample it and their feces go into the ground and rebuild the microbiome um so so to me you know i'm going to be growing vegetables for the market for making money and offering people a Better, you know, healthier alternatives. Because at the end of the day, most people will never do carnivore. Most people, they just won't do it, and it's not because they're brainwashed or anything. It's just they don't see the value in it, and uh, and that's fine. You know, if you can offer a better solution, then then fine. Like like we don't need to get to perfect. We just need to get to good enough with people's health. And there's a chronic health issue. It's the number one issue in the West, especially in America. So.
0: Mm-hmm. I've, yeah, I've always yep. been a big fan of the Western Price Foundation and the way that they look oh, at things. Um, and they're not talking about carnivore. They're talking about eating whole foods. It's, um, that's, that's the main thing that I focus <coughs> on when I'm working with clients is, are you eating processed foods or are you eating whole foods? And yeah, the, right. The, the cultures that um, are including plant foods, which is most of them, um, they have ways that they prepare food that have been mm-hmm. within that culture for a long time, sure. which most likely eliminates a lot of the problems with that particular food, makes it more nutritious. Um, and a lot of that's, that's lost in the West, isn't it? Um, so oh, I don't sure, think you know,
1: microgreens yeah. too. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's Smaller, you know, newer plants, wow. uh, you know, once they, they break uh, through germination, they're, they're more nutritious. There's like 40, 50 times more nutrition in a lot of these plants. Um, you know, there's even chem- like a cancer-curing compounds in like a broccoli, you know, just like a broccoli microgreen, you know, just as it starts to shoot up within seven days, you know, you harvest that and, um, you know, a lot of people swear by that and there's not as much toxicity in those. So, it's like, you know, maybe as a garnish especially, uh, I don't think it's possible to get, uh, for humans, it's not, it's not possible to get everything you need from vegetables, but, you know, there's there's a time and a place for them. Look at Chinese medicine. I mean, the amount of herbs that they use to cure all sorts of diseases. Like, you know, I think, I think there's a lot of dogma in the carnivore world as well, yeah. which is kind of funny because they're coming, they're fighting dogma, um, and then they're creating their own. But uh, I think that's kind of natural, you know, to each their own. Mm. But, um, um, yeah, I, I try to remain open-minded with it.
0: Yeah, I can see that you are. I think... It- as you said, it is normal, isn't it? When, when people discover something new and it works well for them, they want to shout about it. And often we, we gravitate yeah. <laughs> to, we, we towards uh, simple solutions. You know, if you can find a yep. simple solution to a complex problem, it's very, very appealing. Um, yeah, exactly. let me ask you just one, one more question <laughs> then probably make it, our, um, make it the last question. What, what's yeah. the next experiment that you've got lined up? What are you, <laughs> what are you thinking of uh, trying out next?
1: Well, um, you know, I didn't even talk about the rotten meat, but, I'm, you know, mm. I am gearing up to do another one of those as well. Um, this weekend, we're going to put some in a jar. Um, I got one of my buddies who's going to do the raw experiment with me as well. So next week, we'll probably start uh, raw, and then within two to three months, once that rotten meat is ready, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll either cap the experiment with that, or we'll, we'll keep going if we feel really good, so...
0: Mm. Okay, well, I think you set up a nice a nice teaser there, for maybe for a range. Yeah, two yeah. We'll, we'll talk time. about the rod meat next yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, you can you can let me know how that's okay. gone. <laughs>